And welcome, everybody, to the Talks Podcast. We're back for another week of bullshit. It's your boy, Daka. And to my left, earbud, I've got my co-hosts. <laughs> it's your boy, Blue. Sunfire Score. And we are joined by super dope hey, guests girl, today. We've got Sunflower our buddy, Ooh. Ian Wilson, a.k.a. Charlie Markers. What's up, what's up? Good to have you. So... Today, we're glad that you're here. You are, well, first of all, tell us a little bit about you. We know, we know you personally, you know, Nio and myself. But for the people that don't know you, you know, tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do. Uh, to make a boring story short, uh, I'm an artist from the Carolinas. I say Carolinas because I was born in South Carolina, but I was raised in Greensboro. Uh, I practice film photography, digital photography, and illustration. Uh, I'm also a community activist when I can be and when the time's called for it. I love it. And now, and there's definitely the time now to be a community activist. Oh, man. So, let's just let's jump right into the first part of everything. So, you know, you are a graduate of the illustrious North Carolina Agricultural and Technical States University. <clears throat> you know, Aggie Pride. <laughs> for all those people out there that don't know, now you know. <laughs> um, so I guess we'll start from there. Um, so first of all, how did you kind of get into, or when did you realize like your talent, you know, in art or like your your interest in the arts? Uh, really, since I was a kid, my dad is an artist Ooh. also. Um, and he would always take me to do like murals that he would do around uh, Charlotte and Raleigh, Durham. So I've always had kind of like a creative kind of leaning. I've always loved music, loved hip hop. I used to play the saxophone and be in the band in middle school. So really early on. That's what's up. So it's always been the thing. So when did you... Um, you know, when you transition into higher education and college and everything, you know, I think the one of the biggest things I hear from a lot of people that, you know, are just naturally talented in art or whatever, and then when they get into this academic setting, it's kind of, it can go one of two ways. It can go like, okay, you're creatively stifling me here, people. Or, <laughs> you know, hmm, I'm learning some new things, expanding my talent. Well, it's kind of like your overall kind of experience in educating yourself in the arts? Um, I think it was a battle of both, honestly. Um, I, I, I hate to say it, but I didn't really want to go to a and so I know, I know it sounds terrible. <laughs> but I was supposed to go to Savannah College of Art and Design, so it was like, it was yes. a massive 180, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so that the first couple of years, I was definitely kind of like I felt stifled, especially being mm. in my own hometown. You know, you kind of you grow up thinking when you go to college, you're gonna be in another city. And I was like, mm -hmm. where I grew up and knew and everything. So there was a period where I definitely felt kind of limited, but you can't really deny the power of HBCU and being around certain types of people. And so that that really didn't last as long as it could have. And I think. Mm -hmm towards the end of my time at A&T, you know, I met more people that encouraged me to be more of myself uh, before I graduated. I can agree with that. I think, you know, I definitely from a HBCU standpoint, I, I can't even think of another experience I would have rather have had as far as college for, for everything else. I, I think what I may have felt like I lacked in maybe materials or facilities or something like that. Like I definitely gained more twofold in relationships and like culture and history and, you know, learning. Yeah. And learn how to work the world around you. Um, so that's pretty dope. So um, let's talk about your artwork now, before we even get into that, I, I, I can't even skip over the major fact that you were living in China for how long were you living in China actually? Because you were there for, for a good little minute. Uh, yeah, over three years. 
wow. So just 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 get into that. Let's let's just start from the beginning up until like the time you left because that that's just such a an impactful story. Wait, so are you fluent in a language? I'm not fluent. I'm I'm basic. I can like uh, I can understand a decent conversation, but I can't really converse back with someone. I'm that guy that like can understand someone's uncle, but can't respond to them gotcha. you know okay um man that's a long story uh i guess the, like the main thing is i ended up going there because another friend of mine also from a t was there a year before i went you know a little um, helpful peer pressure right you know it never hurt nobody so yeah, man. One one year turned into three. Um, I spent two years in a city called Guangzhou, which is like an hour away from Hong Kong. And then I spent one year in the countryside, kind of near the border of Thailand and Laos. Um, but there's like so many things that like I can talk about when it comes to China. It's, it's hard to really point out to one thing. So I'd be welcome to answer any question that you want to know about the place because it's outrageously wild while you were there did you like visit other areas or did you just pretty much stay within like the city bounds that you were you know Um, living i definitely traveled a lot my first job was kind of limiting so i didn't really vacation that much once i left that job i spent a lot of time going to where i could so i got to see thailand laos uh vietnam uh i've been to hong kong probably like a couple dozen times mm-hmm. and then i'm so jealous yeah, like of these three years bit. and then i went to Philly <laughs> while i was there too so what's your favorite like asian country um i would probably say thailand because the food is, is there. yeah mm. i love thai food yeah it was great and then Hong Kong is a close second, but I don't know, that doesn't really count as another country, technically. Gotcha. Have you been to Tokyo? I did not get to go to Tokyo. Tokyo is crazy expensive. Dang. That's where I, I would want to go. My, my friend said, like, China was probably the most racist month that she's ever experienced in her life. She stayed there for a month. So do you feel like there was like, because you said that's the only place you met Karens. So were they Asian Karens or were they actually like white Americans visiting Karens? Well, they're definitely white Americans that would go over there and kind of be American, you know, mm. kind of like throwing the privilege around. Mm, loud and wrong. Um, Sound about right. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Why don't y'all know English at this restaurant? Exactly. I'm in a whole exactly. foreign country. <laughs> right. Not speaking any Chinese. <laughs> mad if they don't understand me it's a very common problem mm-hmm. crazy but um honestly with the racism I, I personally think that that kind of acquires a more open mind because it's not malicious racism it's more of a lack of interaction with black people. Mm, okay mm. you know like a lot of a lot of chinese folks especially when you're in like countryer areas they've never seen black people before true so like they're they're staring at you or they're trying to take your picture without asking you. Yeah, I've seen that. This like dark skinned girl, they were like huddling around her taking her picture and I was like right. she just looks so uncomfortable. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. And but you have to kinda of understand that it's not necessarily of a of like hatred thing, yeah. it's more of like a fascination. Yeah. I, um yeah. So it's, it's 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 not really I wouldn't call it racist per se, you know, and a lot everyone's different. I've had like people who didn't know me like asked to take my picture because I look different instead of just like sneaking it on the metro mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Surprise, like, oh my god. <laughs> I can I can attest that I had the same experience when I went to um I spent like a week and a half in El Salvador a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and there was not a single black person there at all. Why are you um, taking her back in? So it's just so crazy because it was the same same situation like and I was with a group of white people. <laughs> so it was like, put your shoes on, I definitely please. stood out. <laughs> yeah, they definitely going to point at the one black guy. <laughs> one, one black guy. guy. <laughs> and then they were like, and I remember like, we were working, it was because I was doing it through like, um, Habitat for Humanity. And we were working in the village and like, the guy who was our, you know, guide or whatever, like we were working with the local townspeople and they were talking. 
And he was like, um, he was like, they're asking, like, do you have dreads or whatever? And I was like, actually, I I do. <laughs> it was just like, they were just like, oh, my God. They're like, can we touch the? I was like, I mean, you asked. I don't really have a problem. It's like, we're kind of the same, but, you know, just a little different. But it was interesting. So I, I can definitely attest to what you just said there. That's definitely mm-hmm. a thing, I think. Yeah, they're, they're, and they're open, like especially a lot of the the people who are more influenced by outside cultures, mm-hmm. the younger folks. They're they're more understanding. They know, you know, they're into hip hop and things like that. So they kind right, of like, yeah. trying to be friendly as opposed to being like I ain't never. Well, I can't say I never got called the n word over there, but I got called the n word by someone who didn't know what it meant. Oh, so does that interesting. Make it racist, you know, he spoke basic English, but he had studied abroad in South Africa. Oh. And, and so when I figured it out was he he had learned all of his small talk by dealing with racists in South Africa. So to him, mm-hmm. to, to just talk you. about black folks was just how you was an everyday calls. thing. Exactly. And so then when someone explained it to him in Chinese, like what he was saying, he was like, oh, damn, my bad. I didn't realize that's what I was doing. I also didn't realize he was black. So. Wow. You know, right. I was going to actually ask <laughs> you that because, you know, I think. Especially for the larger world who may have only seen like the stereotypical pictures of black people, whether it's in America Mm -hmm. or like in Africa or whatever, like they're not aware of the different tones and like, you know, skin colors that all of us black folk come in and you as, you know, a lighter skinned black person. Like I was about to say, like, did you see anything different with that? Um, Oh, for sure. Um, So like. There is definitely a prejudice because people, when they think of America, they think of white people. Mm-hmm. And so I, I had to deal, like, deal with my own understanding of colorism because you might have a Chinese family that sees a teacher who is black and they're like, I don't want a black teacher. I want an American teacher. Mm-hmm. You know? And so like for me, I wouldn't get those kind of reactions from parents immediately because I didn't look like that directly to them. It wasn't until I explained it where it kind of became more understood for them and then it kind of became a, a learning uh, opportunity for them to see that black folks look more than one kind of way. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I remember um, when I was doing, studying, when I was in African literature and learned that about people in Africa as well, about their understanding of America is more visualizing it for whiteness right. versus, you know, black people being here like they know we're here they know we you know of course from themselves how we come you know looking at themselves but they're taught to connect with the whiteness of america and not black america exactly i actually spent um i spent four months in ghana and it was a very similar experience to the one in china where you got these Ghanaians who will see someone who's my complexion and be like yeah you're not black Mm-hmm, and they'll mm-hmm. be like a dark-skinned uh, African-American, and they're like, where are you from? And if you say America, they're like, yeah, but where are you from? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, get more of that information, and you don't know it. And so, you know, they ended up learning more from African-Americans that came to visit them that you would think that they might know already, or you would assume that they would know. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got that even when I went, um, went to Kenya at one time, and... <laughs> as, I was, as I was saying it, I was like, "This sounds like a hard flex," but I'm like, "It's not. It's really not." Like, but it was oh, the same Niall. thing. Nia, we're going on a two. <laughs> you want to interrupt? I mean, I ain't, I ain't been out the country yet, so out. you know. <laughs> I was saying, now you know Niall, we're going on our two-week <laughs> European excursion anyway, like for our 30th. Yes, we are. <laughs> are we? We've been talking are about we? it. We the got two co- years. Well, year and a half. Get <laughs> that border open. I was about to say, right now, they're not letting nobody. Going back out till 2022. <laughs> we can hope but anyway <laughs> all i was gonna say is even when i was in kenya you know with a bunch of black folk and i was with black folk but we were I don't, not even like i don't know i don't consider myself light-skinned like that but we were brighter skinned than the people in kenya and they were asking mm-hmm. us what they were like they knew we were from the states but then at first they were like y'all look like y'all from like somalia or wherever xyz and i was like nope american black <laughs> don't know what to tell you well, I was going to say, I personally never, well, not never, I'm not going to say never, 
I, of course, have experienced systematic racism through white people in that manner and passive aggressive racism. But I feel like me personally, I've experienced more outwardly mm. racism from black people. And like when I was um, at this grocery store, <laughs> not in Kenya, but like in America, <laughs> and there was this African security guard and he had saw me and my cousin carrying like propel waters. Yeah. And like, you know how big propel waters are. And um, we probably had like 10 in our arms each. Found my dad, threw him in a cart. He, um, he bought them. We still in the store. He left the store. The man comes and like runs up on us and he's like, where are the propel waters? Wow. And we're like <laughs> paid for on the way to the car. And like we were just so perplexed because one, where the hell are we hiding 20 propel water bottles on our persons? Like <laughs> uh, in the world for 20 propel water waters. So where are they, where are they coming from? And then my, uh, when we told my dad, that's when he let me know. Like, that was my first, like, sit-down conversation of there's two different types of Black people, even two Black people. And when you're, sh- like, straight from the country, you know, they're going to mm-hmm. see you as American more than they see you as Black. And they're going right. to treat you the way they think of Americans. It's interesting you say that because I've been thinking about colorism a lot because I had a very interesting conversation about performative blackness. Mm. Right. And I, what I realized is like, when it comes to colorism, at least I should say speaking for myself, when it comes mm-hmm. to colorism, when you are not allowed to be black by black people, you tend to like really wear your blackness on your sleeve, you know? Mm. That's something, yeah, I, I had, when I was in China, someone had asked me, like, why do you always talk about black issues? And like, why is that such a big thing for you? And I'm like, well, if I don't say it, folks don't really know or really allow me to be that, you know, because I'm very light skinned for mm-hmm. a black person and I'm not mixed mm-hmm. at all. So it's like confusing to be as pale as I am. And so because of that, I, I you know, I find myself like looking for extra black t-shirts make sure my mm-hmm. jeans ain't too tight because you know black folks will never let me really be black mm, interesting I, I just that's a real thing though it, it is. is and i just never understood the grasping of that mindset because i was also treated that way like oh you you can't be 100 percent black because your hair is light and your eyes are green and i'm like no, I'm black. Like I'm, I'm pretty sure both my parents are black. I don't, I don't think I'm adopted. I look like them. <laughs> like I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. But no, I just, I just wonder, like, why do we feel like we have to? Well, I know why, but it's just sad that we have to, like, feel like we have to perform in those ways and like right. really mm-hmm. act like that to like try to be more black. I don't think I'm trying to figure out if I've ever purposely done stuff to try to enhance. And it might not My even blackness. be, you know, consciously, because I realized for me, yeah. it wasn't really conscious. I wasn't trying to do that. It just yeah. kind of was like a way to express how I felt, you know what I mean? Because like when yeah. I was in China, I'm wearing like a Malcolm X hat, and uh-huh. Jackie Robinson jersey, you know, I'm mm-hmm. trying, you know, I'm making sure like it's apparent. And then I didn't think about it until years later, like that was to make sure that there were no questions. Right. You got you. And I think that's something that us all, all of us black people, whether it's in that regard or not, have done in some way, shape, or form, like kind of like feel like we have to announce our blackness or our, or whatever, not even just our blackness, but announce that we're non threatening or whatever have you in a space before anyone else has a chance to say anything, you know? Right. And it's like just this over, it's this tiresome, tiresome narrative that we have to do. And it's like what I think that I've seen a lot more of oh, with everything. I just thought about it, straightening my hair. Oh, true. Yeah, definitely. When you should go to the interview with straight hair and you show back up with your fro. Oh, yeah, yeah. I even did that when I had locks. Like when I had my locks and I got my first real big boy job, like <laughs> and with like a salary and shit. Like I had them like back braided back they didn't really know what was going on and then i came in like probably like second week like just everywhere 
swinging, <laughs> and then I combed them out like three weeks later. And I had a fro. And they didn't know I what the hell was going on. I fucking hated that time of your life. I oh, know you did. My God. But this isn't about me. <laughs> <laughs> That's Man, a different episode. I know. Funny story. I was showing Amara old pictures of herself, and uh-huh. I came across Dreadhead Daryl, and she said, "Who that?" I said, that's Uncle Daryl. Oh, my God. No, she didn't. <laughs> yes, she did. I was like, oh, I'm going to tell this nigga. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> well. Oh, anyway. <laughs> but anyway, no, that's that's exactly it. That's, that's another form of that. Um, but I, I was going to say that I think that what I've seen a lot more of in recent years, and especially now with everything happening, like, a lot of us are like, fuck that shit. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, fuck mm-hmm. the respectability politics, you know. Fuck how you feel when I walk into this room. Deal with it, you know. Especially like, now, after everything has gotten all worked up, we've been stuck inside. Like you gonna get whatever part of me shows up in the exactly. uh, Okay, look, my, <laughs> let me tell you something. It's like I ain't been able to go to my barber in like four months. Like, right. <laughs> I want to look more into lot. history and see the turning point. Between and I could probably ask my mama old self because she was there, but see the turning point of um when they were all like pro black and pro fro and Black Panther and all that, and then we went right back to straight hair and stuff like that. I can see and hear you. It was good it job. Was crack. It was definitely crack. I'm not saying mm. it was oh, wow. funny, mm-hmm. but like quite literally, it, mm-hmm. that, that was the next era of something going on. You went from pro black to yeah. The drug and then thing. differentiating yourself from from no not your from mouth. that right and trying not to say no I'm not like those other Negroes yeah. that's over there on the pipe I yeah it was Reaganomics and the power of the eighties because everything was big and ostentatious mm-hmm. and like you showing how much money you got and like mm-hmm. exactly. signs of wealth so yeah mm-hmm. I, I was real pro black and then Reagan was like enough of that. Right, yep. and it's like, well, let me go ahead and get this power suit and head on to this corporate job at IBM real quick. <laughs> Come on, power suit. I'm saying, I will Shoulder say, pads. I don't think it ever died, though. You know, you still had, like, hip-hop folks in the 90s were still mm-hmm. unabashedly yeah. themselves. I just think it wasn't as mainstream yeah. until we got to college and good hair came out or something. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's crazy, and then, like, I remember... I remember like the early days of the modern natural hair movement and the fact that it was like such a, that our parents that were the first ones in that movement, like were the ones pushing back against the modern one. Right. Yeah. It made no sense to me. I was like, I don't understand. You, you, you literally just did this like 40 years ago. <laughs> yeah. When my niece started going natural, my sister, like, cause she cut off like most of her hair. My sister hated it. But now my sister loves, my niece has gorgeous hair. My sister's like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, yes. So, yeah. And my sister's been natural her whole life. So that's what is really funny about it. That was an interesting period for me. You can't talk about it. Cause I had, right I had now. cut my hair after having hair forever. And I, I was really in love with, seeing the natural texture of my wave pattern with a low cut that I was like I was like dang I really wish I had my hair but then I was so in love with the you know the wave part of it I was just like nah I don't think I'm gonna grow it back and then after I could not grow my hair back now I do wish I could let me tell you something that's why y'all been making fun of me but that's why I'm, I'm, I'm growing these locks back I said I got one more in me Oh, I got another well. good decade. Look, bump what they talking about. As a, as a ball, man. See, you hear Niall being a hater back here. Niall is the vain one. She don't know. For, especially for men, when that hair is gone, it ain't no saving it. Ain't no saving it. You might as well enjoy Okay, that but Daryl, no. No. What? No. What? What? Damn it. You look damn good when you was you know what? I don't even care. I'll, I'll talk to you when you're 50. <laughs> Not 50? <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. <laughs> it's fine. We do this every week. It's cool. Anyway. Because every week you come with a harebrained scheme. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> a scheme? A scheme, Naomi? Let me scheme. <laughs> Let me live, damn it. 
She called it a scheme. Oh, she called it a scheme. A hairbrush right. scheme at that. She thinks, right. she, she thinks she funny. She thinks she cute, I'm but not, it's okay. I'm being, I'm being badass. That's one thing you fully are aware of because we've been having this conversation since 2010. I'm tired of it. <laughs> well, we're going to have it until 2030, okay? <laughs> anyway, so... Yes. Um, so times times are changing. Times have changed. So, um, so we've seen a lot of the times and the tide change, especially here at home here in Charlotte. We're gonna make chocolate covered bananas later, baby. Hold on. Oh, that sounds good. I want some. Right. <laughs> you know. Because <laughs> I made I gave her a frozen banana earlier, and she was not trying to eat it, and I told her it was ice cream. Uh. And then she ate it, and it was delicious. So now she wants another one. I was like, I should put some chocolate on it. So that's what I'm gonna do. But I already know her; she's not gonna let me put them in the freezer. She's gonna try to eat them right in yeah. there. <sighs> stop! Stop! If if I'm gone, it's because she hung up. She's literally trying. To okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, what I was gonna say is, you know, we're seeing a lot of the the change around the world, but we're seeing a lot of it, especially here, home in Charlotte, and um. I wanted to definitely get your thoughts and, you know, your experience about everything that's been going on here in the last couple of weeks. And um, especially you've been on the like the main lines with like the, the movement of like really um, using art as activism, you know, in that regard. So definitely wanted to get your get your take on everything that's been going on. Where did it start? Uh, first, I'm going to say rest in peace to all the people that we lost on Baby Tour Road, just because there's been a lot of shooting going on over here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think really the key thing is I'm just grateful to be allowed to be a part of a group that wants to not only use art as activism, but have the community be a part of it, which I think is like a major factor for keeping some of the history of Charlotte. So... Mm. Basically, I'm I'll join the group of just community organizers who are just trying to bring some kind of positive energy back to Baby Four Road because after the Juneteenth block party thing kind of haven't really gone back to normal, and there've been more shootings than than usual, even though there are always a lot. Um, and so it's just good to see that these families are trying to come together to keep something positive despite the 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 uncertainty of the situation. The families are out there, you know, politicking with each other. There's prayer uh, groups going around, they talking to everyone around. You know, people are kind of becoming back into the community uh, mentality again, which I'm grateful for because I've I've only been here since October, and I've always been in. In Charlotte, but to be on Baby Four and to be like accepted as part of uh, pretty major to me, like just because everyone's always looking out for each other. So um, I'm grateful. We're gonna have some murals gonna get started this weekend. Uh, and anyone who wants to come down, they're gonna be taking volunteers to do supplies, take money. I'll send links and all that for you all to post. But um, I'm just grateful to be a part, honestly. Nice. I can agree with that. And it's it's true exactly what you said with the baseball area. That's I I grew up over there in that area, still live there now. And you know, just seeing the the community itself is based in love and it's a very and people care about each other. One time for West Charlotte, you know, the Dove Sea, <laughs> West Charlotte High School right there on Senior Drive. Um but yeah, I mean, the community cares about itself. And, you know, I think the main thing is Bays Ford, especially, and, like, the west side of town gets this bad rep for, like, people don't care about each other. They don't care about their community and, you know, anything like that. And I, I know, for me, I get tired of having to defend, you know, where I live to yeah, people I- who just have no fucking idea of the history of that place or whatever. I, I will never forget. I, it was New Year's Eve this year. Short story, but I about cussed this bitch out. Because <laughs> I was right. We were in the Uber, riding to a New Year's Eve party. It was a, a, a former roommate of my good friend. And we were all in the car. And, you know, we were just shooting the shit, like, talking. She's like, oh, you know, where do you stay? I'm like, oh, I stay over on Facebook Road or whatever. 
And she's like, whatever the fuck she did, I don't know what her job was, but something where she worked with clients of some sort. And she was like, oh, I have clients over there. Oh, my God, it's so dangerous. Blah, 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 blah. I said, bitch, I literally just told you I live over there. Right, like, like fuck you. <laughs> and I was like, actually, it's not. So you might want to keep it cute. Because <laughs> it's really not that dangerous. And everyone, they, they, and I was actually watching, or I was listening to NPR this morning, and this guy said the exact same thing, that the news would come in and try to tell you that, Mm-hmm. The, the the neighborhood is not cooperating with the police and trying to mm-hmm. solve the issue and da, da, da. And he's like that's not true everyone's trying to work with the police they're just not trying to talk to the actual people who are in the neighborhood and instead right. like, mm-hmm. tell whatever story that they can exactly so perception is key the truth mm-hmm. needs to be told um right. but i'm i'm so happy to see like you know that there's you know action being taken on the west side it's like really you know bring awareness and bring bring some life back to it because the thing is the yeah. sad part is it's only a matter of time it's already been starting you know that they start gentrifying the area and yeah. my whole thing with gentrification is i have no problem with making neighborhoods better like you know giving people facilities that they need and building that grocery store over here and whatever else but like why does it have to be at the expense of the people that live there right. why you know, like, what is that? Like, why, why do we continue this cycle? Because um, y'all white people, y'all moved out the damn city. Y'all moved to the suburbs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, now you want to come back because now it's trendy. Oh, it's close to work. Yeah. <laughs> and also because now more black people can afford to live next door to them in the suburbs. Mm. <laughs> right. <laughs> mm. That is so true. That's so true. I, I'll tell you one thing I hate. You know, a sure sign of gentrification. And I said it on Twitter the other day. When you see a house that, because most of the houses in my neighborhood, especially are like, you know, all brick, you know, that like that type of joint. Mm-hmm. When you see them paint the house white <laughs> and add some black <laughs> shutters mm-hmm. and then put up on the or ugly the ass security me. fences. <laughs> oh, girl. White Yes, people. sir. It's coming. It sure and, is. You know, that was one of the big problems over there. Um, what is that, Druid Hills area? Oh, yeah, yeah. When they did that. And mm-hmm. I felt really bad about that. And I'm like, that, it, it, it just, it's heartbreaking when you saw the 80 year olds and 70 year old people on TV talking about, you know, well, I've been owning my house for block side, you know, decades. Yeah. And now they're building this across the street from me and it's going to raise my taxes and I'm not going to be able to afford to live in my house. Right. And I don't think that part of it is really taken into account. And it's like, I, why not give those people something from the community, from the city to a grant, whatever, to help them, up, you know, build their houses up where they're at. They already have it paid off. Give them a grant to be able to keep up with what y'all are building across the street instead of putting them out. Because really, you, you really are putting them out of their own house. Yeah, I actually went to a um, a housing meeting when I first got here with my grandma because she loves to do that type of stuff. And there was a someone there from the city who said that they do have this money in the budget to help get these people who have these homes some kind of fund to build their homes back up to a reasonable level. It's mm-hmm. just that it's not really promoted or presented and so what is happening is that it gets right. like, that money lapses and people don't find out about it till it's too late and mm-hmm. and so they're trying they're working on trying like, they claim i should say they're working on trying to fix that problem but i know this is like the resources are there it's just that they don't have that pipeline of information yeah to make it easier for folks that aren't white right exactly. exactly and then like you said by the time you know black people or anybody of color find out about that it's either timed out or, you know, fiscal year thing. And we got to wait until mm-hmm. by timeline. Right. And by that time, those people didn't lost their houses. <laughs> yeah. And then you've got these predatory, you know, like that too. That's realtors and everything else. Cause I get those letters every day. I've been getting those letters. Like I lived in my, I lived in my grandfather's old home and I've been getting those letters since the day I moved in there four years ago. And like, it'd be like the creepiest shit too. It's like an image from Google street view. Of the house, and I said, like, "We want to buy your house." No, the fuck, you're not. Wow. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and it's like because and they 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 prey off that. They they're banking mm-hmm. on like you're gonna get you know an older person mm-hmm. um, who's not educated on what you're trying to do as a predatory you know buyer. 
saying, oh, I'll buy your house for $50,000. It's like, when you know that house is worth 200000 Exactly. Or you're going to flip it and sell it for at least one fifty. Right. You yeah. know? Because, I mean, your area right now, when looking at, you know, Redfin, you have houses over there, like, in your backyard going for over 200000 mm-hmm. I know it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, you come in giving the right, and I don't mean right as in good, but the right older black person saying $50,000. Yeah. And they got, you know, medical bill this, medical bill that, or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. And $50 sound good. Oh, my God. That's going to help me out. But now you and lost your home. home. Now you lost your home. And they're not even giving you the whole 50 k No. Because right. then it's like taxes and whatever mm-hmm. the fuck else. And No. And you end up with about 15 17 if that. Mm-hmm. It's a mess, man. It's a mess. Really? So it's like, it's it's really sad. And I'm glad that more people are, you know, becoming aware of that. Um, and I've had, like, I had a, a classmate from high school whose grandfather is going through that right now. Like, but he wants to. Like, he's been, his grandson's been trying to explain to him, like, do not do this. Yeah. <laughs> but he's like, please, do not do this. And he's, but he's like, he's like, my grandpa's very, like, old school. Like, well, this white man said. And I'm yeah, like, huh. yeah. I'm like, oh, Lord. Well, you know. That's why we can't build up our wealth right there, because you want to be the white man. You see? That part. Anyway. So, I did want to put this question out here. Um, so, you know, I think everyone... everyone tries to boil down all the issues that we have going on to black and white Um, Mm -hmm. which there's obviously that element to it for sure but the bigger thing is I don't think none of us realize how much stuff that we are disadvantaged disadvantaged to is because of these old holdovers from like slavery. Like I really just started learning more about like, you know, um, why black women are, have a higher mortality rate, like mm-hmm. in childbirth, like in 2020, mm-hmm. like I was just like, wait, you got to explain that to me. Like how, like, yeah. and it's because these antiquated, like medical thoughts that these doctors have of like, Oh, black people don't feel pain the same way white people do. And like, mm-hmm. I was just like, well, who the fuck comes up with this bullshit ass science? Like I, it's, it's baffling. You would think that people would know better, but obviously they don't No, or they, so anyway, I was going to say what other, what other, I guess, um, crazy ass myths and things have you all heard or learned more about lately? Mm. I gotta think about that one. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, I, I know what, what you just spoke off of, and I learned more about that. I, I had heard about it, um, but it wasn't touched on a lot. But it was touched on a little bit during my um, senior year with the um, my statistics sociology class that I had to take, and. Hearing it then versus hearing it now with it being more, you know, in the media, people really talking about it. It's an uncovered thing now. So, you know, it's like the scab has been ripped off. So it's in our faces. Mm-hmm. Now with it being more public and being known, I think from the standpoint of then and now, I like where where we're at now with letting that be known and just being blunt with it. Right. But I also think it needs to be more propelled out there and it needs to be amplified um and we need to dig into exactly why in hospitals period because that's you know institutionalized systematic thing in the hospital a black life a brown life is devalued towards those of a white a white life you know it's more so save the white lady and her child or save the white man in his life over the black man with the same issues mm-hmm. or, you know, brown person with the same issues. So I like where it's going or where it's at now, but I, I think we still should push for more to be uncovered. Mm, I like that. I guess if I had to pick one, I would say I would like for black people to stop holding to the same kind of stereotypes that keep us from believing that we can do whatever we feel like 
Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we can only control what other people think, but so much. And I, one thing that I feel like I've learned during this COVID period is that folks are a lot more open to things than you realize. It's just that they got to be exposed to that level of information. But if you mm-hmm. go in assuming that someone who might be from the hood doesn't care about group economics or whatever, then you're automatically discounting them and preventing them from being the type of person that you want them to be. So mm-hmm. it's like, you know, it sounds like it's, it sounds like accountability politics. Like you're trying to tell someone what they should do or you were telling black folks what they can and can't do to each other. But mm-hmm. it's like, that's all we really got control over. We can't control what white folks feel, do or think about how we move in life. So why not just do it for ourselves? You know? Yeah. I feel that. Yeah. I, I think there's, I think that is the biggest thing that I am starting to see more of is like people really realizing like I, even though I, I, I'm going to choose like to do what's best for me. I'm going to choose to like, I'm not going to wait for people to give me these things, which is why I think why these protests and everything has been going on now is so much different than what's been happening in the past because you know, we we have literally tried everything else. We've tried to right. be peaceful about it. We've tried to talk to y'all asses about it. Like, and Niall made a good point, like, over the past couple of weeks, you know, it's like, on the one hand, yes, let's continue, you know, public art installations. Let's continue, like, you know, changing the names of buildings that should never have been named after Stonewall Jackson in the first fucking place. Like, you know, right. but give me my fucking legislation I asked for at the same time. Cut like, the check. Cut the check. Ch- I'm just saying, like, <laughs> I, I would like another stimulus, and I would like my reparations. That's all I ask for. Um, you know, Promptly, please. Promptly. Like, you know, <laughs> in the account, like, at midnight. That'd be great. And can we get that with interest? Because it's been long With overdue. interest. Like, <laughs> I'm just saying. And you know what the thing is? And my, my thought is, and I and it's probably not as simple as this, but it is simple like that to me. They don't want to give us that because number one, it would put us automatically on that same level as oh, far course. as like you know, if not, financial. if not higher. Yeah, because there's because there's way more people out here they like to think of that of us black folk that are actually financially literate and want to like teach financial literacy to other people and like mm-hmm. know how to like make that dollar stretch. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's not like, you know, and, and then the and then it's already, you know, even with us not having that. Right. Mm-hmm. We already know that. It, and it's been proven that the black dollar is the most valuable dollar economically. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. So if we get put up there to have the, the wealth <laughs> at the same or higher, it, that's really what what when white people are out here being like they are and panicking and wanting to, you know, cry wolf and all that they're really scared of us being next to them or above them and what makes them afraid in that manner is a lot of them wonder with what their ancestors done to our ancestors if the roles are going to reverse yes (laughs) that's 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 right that's it right there that's literally what they're afraid of but you know what though like the thing is if we wanted to do that we would have done that by now I really wholly feel like at this point, if that's what it was, we would have done that by now. Yeah, and like, and it's sad because white folks think that black folks think like white folks, and we don't. Like, and we don't. And we don't. Sensible. We just want it to be chill. Mm-hmm. Like, think about mm-hmm. it. But we're not about to go through that effort of punishing somebody for something. exactly. No, we just want our things. <laughs> I was just I was just talking to a friend about that that same thing not long ago, and I was like, you know, black people we're loving people as a, as a, as a collective in a, ingrained in us. We're just naturally loving people. Right. We're com- we're communal people. We ain't nobody about to sit here and try to, we, we gonna always remember. We'll never forget what, what y'all have done to us over, over centuries, you know, but we're never going to be like, Oh, okay. Um, Let's go ahead and start doing this because it's it's go, it, it's not worth our time. Like it's our health not. is better than, than than being stressed the fuck out putting y'all in slavery. <laughs> I mean, if you want to look at an even more modern example of that, like I, I don't recall the Jewish people 
right. trying to put the Germans in internment camps. Or hell, I don't recall the Japanese that Not we did that over here on our stores doing that. You know what I'm saying? Nope. Like, and you know why? Because they both got checks. Exactly. And they both as as you got check, you checks. Good. They exactly. got money. Why we the only ones ain't got no damn checks? Now, like, do y'all that's think, why we gonna, if anything, that's why we gonna beat your ass. Because we ain't got our money. <laughs> exactly. That's the only, if there's nothing else, that's the reason why I'm gonna beat your ass. You didn't give me my damn money. Because we had money. money. We had mm-hmm. Black Wall Streets. And y'all mm-hmm. came and burnt them shit. Burned it down. So the thing is, you've always been fearful of our potential. Because we know our mm-hmm. potential. Which is why mm-hmm. we continue to strive and succeed when given next to fucking nothing. So... It's sad, man. And, and we've talked about it before. It's like, it's got to be a really just sad and tiresome existence to just, like, man. hate on people all damn day. Like, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Please. But anyway. Why they don't age that break stress? That stress of looking over your shoulder your whole life for hundreds of years. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Which is why it's like, you know, when you're a you know, a decent human being, an unproblematic white person, you age immaculate. You age they do. gracefully, beautifully. Very graceful. I mean, <laughs> Betty, there's no reason Betty White shouldn't be dead right now. You know, <laughs> look at her. She's going to maintain that 80 for about 40 years. Listen. Because <laughs> everyone was talking about something. Did anyone check on Betty White yet? It's, she's been in quarantine. Has anybody checked on her? Right, <laughs> listen, she's Betty, talking. like, I'm living my best life. Y'all keep doing what y'all doing. I'm good. <laughs> Literally. I got golden girl money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But that's, but yeah, so there's a, there's a lot of layers to this whole situation. Um, so I don't know. So what do you think is next for the city? Like, what, how do you, do you think this momentum will continue? Um, like, what, what are your thoughts on? Um, well, for, for Charlotte, I think it definitely will. Um, since I've been back, I've been kind of trying to get plugged in with the creative network of North Carolina as a whole. Uh-huh. And there are a lot of folks in Charlotte trying to build up a way for black folks to big up other black folks, even before uh, COVID had happened. And uh-huh. so I think if we continue to maintain that level of like social uh, community building, I think it could benefit us all. And I, like the more that we do that, we kind of maintain this energy that, that we have collectively. I think it'll be good for us, but time will tell. Agreed. I agree with that. We just have to see. We just got to continue as we've been doing, fighting the fight. Most definitely. And marching it out. Well, this would usually be the time that Naya would give us her wellness tip. Uh, I'm not going to try and give one because I'm not the resident wellness woman. So <laughs> I got one. Um, Drink water. Yeah. I mean, and wear a mask. Perennial. Wear a mask. Please. All right. You know, we can, let's get into that. We can go back. Please wear your mask, y'all. Like, yo, I'm tired. I'm so tired. Like, it doesn't take that much. Like, the amount of people acting stupid out here talking about mm-hmm. taking away your right. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. What is First of all, I didn't you? know that was in the Constitution about a damn mask, but, yeah, no, no. you know. It's right, it's right there next to the coat of carrying uh, arms, apparently. <laughs> and that's so, right. That's right like, under the three. On. That's right under the three fifths of a person thing for us. So you know, right. <laughs> so you know, just putting it all in order here. Um, yeah, just yo, like please. And even now, I was out, and I won't lie. I mean, it does feel a little weird when you're like the only person wearing a mask when you know everyone else should be wearing a mask. But yeah. like, I'm looking around at these people. I'm like, y'all gonna be sick, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I don't want get away from. Don't stay away from me. Just. Yeah. And, and and people, you know, I know this is going to come out after the 4th, but y'all ain't got to be at, at having no big-ass cookouts. This ain't the summer to do that. It really ain't. <laughs> it's, it's really not. I it's, mean, not the, it's not It's not the year to do that, period. <laughs> like, chill. If, if nothing else, if 2020 has taught me nothing else, it's like, bitch, you ain't going nowhere. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's fine. Noted. Received. <laughs> right. Like, I, I'll take that. Fine. <laughs> yeah so i don't know please yeah, wear your masks y'all like especially now it's an executive order from the damn governor like 
Yeah. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with that. You know what I'm saying? But I did see something very true on Twitter um, the day it came out for North Carolina. Somebody tweeted, they're like, black people, even though it says where I'm in public spaces, wear it anytime you fucking go out because I don't know about, I don't know what these cops are going to do. And I was like, that's a pair though because you've seen for it in real. other cities. You've seen that's it in other fine. cities. Yeah. It's like we don't, that, that's a, it's already a strike. Like, and, and it's crazy that we even have to think of that. Like, and it, it does, yeah, it's yeah. very infuriating because it's almost like we're, it's almost a fear tactic. Um, but it's really more of a caution thing because, again, yeah. you, you just don't say know. It's, it's reality. This, yeah. That's a sad reality, but it's a reality. Yeah. yeah. So, <sighs> wear your mask, y'all. Drink some water. Mind the business that pays you. Be kind to people. <laughs> you know? Um, very simple rules. You know, we all learned them in kindergarten. So we thought. But here we are. <laughs> hmm. Who knew? But anyway... Well, I guess we'll get ready to go ahead and wrap up this week's show. Um, we want to thank Ian for joining us. We appreciate you, sir. Before we wrap up, we got we got we got to drop the socials. Got to let the people know where to find you, where to find your work. Uh, my only social media is going to be Instagram at Charlie Markers. If you find my Twitter, then you found thing for you to find. That's all. I, <laughs> I, and I I did find the Twitter. You did. You did. I found the Twitter. It ain't hard. It's not hard, but I found the Twitter. I about to be promo on that because I be talking reckless. It's okay, you know. <laughs> I, I get it. You know, anonymity is a thing. You Let's feel me? But well, that's what's up. But we're glad you joined us. Thank you for coming and rapping with us. And thank y'all for having me. It's been real fun. And let me know what I need to send you for all the promo and stuff. Please, you know, uh, if you want to send that beatboxing video, that'd be great. <laughs> 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 I can do that. And there was something else. It was the dog in the tree. That's right. You want to see the dog in the tree. I want to see the dog in the tree. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be great. But no, we appreciate you coming out and appreciate all everything you're doing like you know using your talent to help amplify and you know work for good shit that's going on out here because we all have our parts played that's the thing everyone's activism looks different like Mm -hmm. find the thing that you know you're passionate about and it'll naturally kind of you'll find a way to you know help out and like you know sew back into your community just by doing what you're good at and doing your and doing like your thing doing what comes naturally to you definitely definitely yeah well guys we're gonna sign off don't forget though for all y'all still listening that we are still in the middle of our pull up back to school drive so you know what i'm saying like you know we're pulling up for education in the community you know we're talking about activism and doing things we're giving back to some great kids and families in the Charlotte community. So please make sure you donate. We're still collecting folders and pens. I actually have our donation of folders and pens in hand today. So I got nice. the joints. Um, we've currently raised $153 via the Cash app. Shout out to Drew from Drew vs. the World podcast for putting this whole thing together. Um, remember, we're still taking cash donations. So, you know, drop a little coinage in the Cash app at dollar sign help kids learn that's dollar sign help kids learn and until next time we will see all y'all later all right peace out people peace bye